Hello and welcome to the Global City Mission podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today I'll be talking with my friend and former missionary, uh, Ben Langford, on teaching and forming new missionaries. How are you doing, Ben? Hi. Uh, so, Ben, I just want to kind of introduce your bio. You were a long-term missionary in Uganda, is that correct? Yep. And that's where in correct. Uganda were you? We were in Jinja, Uganda, which is uh, right on Lake Victoria at the source of the Nile. So. Okay. I lived uh, about a half mile from the Nile River. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, not okay. far away from crocodiles. And How long were you guys there? We were there six years. Okay. And we were part of a second wave of a church planting team that began in 1994. So okay. we were coming in with already churches planted in the, in the region that we were going to work with. Um, and so it was, it was unique while it was church planting. Uh, we came in to do church planting, but when we got there, we... Ugandans were had taken up that role in church. Planning. Sure, so a lot of leadership had already been passed off. A lot of leadership had been passed out. So okay. we quickly changed to say uh, our role, while still church planters, is uh, more discipling and walking alongside people mm. because one, they were cultural insiders. Sure, we had something to bring, but they had something equally even more to bring. So we felt like uh, even the missionaries before it has partnered and raised up leaders. They were eager to work with us, but we were also eager to say, well, my primary role is not the churches or the, the villages I'm going to, the, the communities, but always to take someone out with me or to right, be led right. by someone else. Yeah, really me. true partnership. True, true partnership. Yeah. So if I remember right, you guys were there, what, 04 to 2010? 04 to 2010. Yeah. And then since 2010, you've been back in Oklahoma, is that right? That's right. Uh, I moved back to, to Oklahoma, where I'm from. I graduated from Oklahoma Christian University with a degree in, in Bible and ministry. And um, so I came back. Uh, they asked me to come back and direct the Center for Global Missions, which began in 2010. And uh, it was a real honor to, to come back and, and be able to do that at my alma mater. So. Okay. So, you know, you were six or more years in the field. Mm -hmm. You've been now, I guess, eight or is this your ninth year? Ninth year. Yeah, Nine years ninth. teaching missions yeah. on the other side. Uh, so I'd love to talk through some of the dynamics of both those things today. You know, we with GCMI, we do a lot of missionary training uh, in the field, but not really on the academic side. And just in terms of recruitment and the kinds of conversations you can have, very different than a classroom setting. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, within your classes with your students, what do you see as the most uh, important priorities for how you need to form them in order to go out and, and be in the field? What are, you know, if you had a short yeah. list of things that you say, I need to form them in this, I need them to know this. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, what I figured out really quickly, uh, and this is kind of a no brainer, but it was like a, you know, it takes some time, at least for me and probably for others to get no brainers, but that I would, that the classroom, um, the classroom was ended up being a limiting space for me. So to teach a practical theology, practical uh, ministry course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, I, I would say this all the time to people that we recruit. It's like we have fantastic faculty from degrees from and experience from all over, but there's only so much we can teach you in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And we'd push them immediately to internships and uh, external experiences and so one of my jobs at the Center for Gold Missions is 
internships and creating uh, experiences or short-term mission projects. And I really think about them. I know there's varying degrees about how short-term missions and its validity and are we using resources correctly? Sure, and are they sure. dangerous? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. uh, and I'm very sympathetic, but I really see short-term missions as uh, not primarily about what they go and accomplish. Sure. But how they're formed. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, you can accomplish a lot, potentially a lot in six weeks or two, two weeks. I mean, I don't want to argue sure. with that. But if I can, if these experiences can form you for the next 40, 50 years of your life. Right. Um, that's the direction I want to go. Okay. So, right? so, um, so yeah, those, those, uh, we want a couple and, and, and to be able to have students that have had these experiences to then walk back into the classroom. And then when we begin talking about these things, mm-hmm. it's not just a, a theoretical exercise. Right. right? So yeah. practical experience, mm-hmm. important priority in the formation and education of missionaries. Yep. Uh, what, what's another that would be on your short list of priorities? Yeah. So for me, um, I feel like I'm a little bit uh, an, an odd duck in the, the missions world. Uh, I really, really appreciate um, language, culture. And I, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I came to the, the, the Center for Global Missions, I really questioned the idea about why it was called uh, global missions. Like, how did the word global function in our name? Um, because I was for culture and learning all these things, but primarily I fell in love with missions because I fell in love with the God of missions, hmm. which had to do with culture and had to do. But I found most of the missions training that I encountered was anthropology, sociology. It was about uh, place and people and culture. Sure. More, maybe more humanistic than theologically driven. Yeah. And I don't mean to make that sound negative. Like no, I'm no, against, sure. uh, like it was like they're doing this secular or non-religious. No, 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 no. But, um, but my inclination was to, to say, I fell in love with the God of mission, hmm. which had implications for thinking about culture. Sure. So I, I wanted to begin rather than beginning uh, or, or doing the classic foundations of uh, like theological foundations for missions. How do we make all of our conversations about sociology and anthropology theological? Hmm. Um, so, for example, one of the courses I I uh, taught that you've come in and, and helped me with a couple <laughs> times is uh, gospel, church, and cultures. Hmm. Uh, we want to take seriously culture, and we actually begin with with the conversation about culture, sure. but then to say um, not just how does content, how, what's the best sociological and cultural ways to communicate content, yeah. but uh, how is who we are and how we embody that and how we communicate, how is that faithful sure. content? content? In, in fact, I would, I, I tend to stay away from the language of effective ministry. Sure. This is my Church of Christ roots. Speak where the Bible speaks. <laughs> sure. right? That language is not really there. But I want to say it's faithful. Right. Like what's faithful to um, uh, in, in faithfulness both to uh, the gospel mm-hmm. um, and faithfulness to the person sitting in front of me. What is that? Yeah, like? no, I hear that. And I think how's that formed by the gospel to, right? to echo back what I think I hear you saying, just to try to be listening actively. You know, I do think one of the things I've observed on the ministry side of missions mm-hmm. is the desire for it to be quote unquote purely practical. 
what's the most effective, what's the tool, what's the, uh, you know, the inventory or, uh, strategy yeah. that is going to see results. Yeah. And there's often not, as you said, an appreciation for the theological question. Yeah. Because it's so, uh, f- driven by the fruit that we're producing in a practical That's sense. Right. And, and sees theology separate from that. Yeah. And one of the things I've seen on a lot of the theological circles I've run in is a real fascination and curiosity with theological questions without asking wh- where yeah. does this become something practical and, exactly. and ministry oriented. And one of the things I appreciate about you and our friendship is the marriage of those two things. Yeah. You care about ministry. You care about, and not in a theoretical sense, about yeah. relationship and forming people and that being deeply informed by theology and, right. and those larger questions. How do you bring that into the classroom in a way that, you know, 18 to 22 year olds yeah, that's a good question. absorb and appreciate and, and bear fruit from after their education. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you just said. I'm not always good at doing it, but that's from my, when you ask the question, what do I want to bring? And so I'm, I'm, um, but, but part of that, um, in general, bringing that to the classroom is, uh, watching out for the language we use, which set up the categories for how we measure things. Say more about that. Uh, so like that term effectiveness, mm-hmm. I'm all for what works. Sure. Um, but then that language between effectiveness and faithfulness and then asking, but those aren't the only questions, mm-hmm. right? Those aren't some of the things that we set up for, um, um, uh, and, and particularly around that word effectiveness, Mm. Um, I'm not opposed to that word. Don't hear me saying that. I'm not opposed to it, but it, it, it tends to lend to categories of measuring things in certain sure. ways. Yeah. That's right. That's um, a certain litmus of what your metrics are. Yeah. And so for example, effective for what? Effective for what? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, but there, there is a question, uh, in the language of, of, of faithfulness, um, and that's not a restrictive term to just say, hey, I'm going to be faithful no matter what the, but I'm, I'm, I'm very intentional to say, what does it mean to be faithful to the gospel and be faithful to the person sitting next in front of you? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's an, for me, yeah. that's an equivalent. Uh, right. Those are, because that's the way we embody, yeah. that's how we are faithful to the gospel. Right. Right. By being faithful to the person that's sitting in front of us. Right. Um, and you and I've had this conversation before, uh, about not only um, what we say about who God is, but the way we say it, the way we talk about it, um, that it that it, it both not just communicates and embodies that right. in faithful ways that take seriously the lived questions that people have right. from whatever culture right. they're in. So uh, whether it's you know these these categories of um, like in, in Africa, learning really quickly. And luckily, I before I went, I had the sense of this. The gospel in North America, which is primarily uh, addressing um, whether it's it's people feel it or not, but it's addressing this uh, guilt and shame, kind of these legal metaphors. Right. That needs to be a some, for you. Sometimes, and I, I say this, I don't mean to sound so negative, but sometimes I wondered... If, uh, you know, many of the, the, the churches that I had visited or been a part of in North America, uh, basically it was all up to us. 
because the only thing that, that inherently the gospel taught them, the only thing the gospel does is forgive the one thing they can't do for themselves, which is forgive their own sin. Right. But everything else is up to us. Yeah. Right. Ministry is up to us. Right. Uh, everything is also up to us. Right. God forgives sin. That's what God does. Right. He did his part. Now you figure the rest out. Yeah. <laughs> Africa doesn't make any sense. <laughs> sure. Not that Africans don't have a sense of guilt, but right. their real concerns, honor, shame, but then even above that is, is, uh, power and fear hmm. you know like um kind of who, practical everyday issues yeah right who's now. in this like what from from who who do i need to honor who do i not need to 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 give honor to that way they don't destroy something in my life that i hold dear right. or even worse what dead people ancestors right, right. or witchcraft or yeah. you know there's all these other questions what in other words that someone cursed you yeah yeah for example i was just in 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 Iswatini teaching a course on gospel yeah. church and culture, same, same course, but I used a, a book called Af- uh, Theology Brewed in the African Pot. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the African author used the class, classic definition of, uh, theology as faith seeking understanding. And a really sharp Af- um, um, uh, African student who's young and he's, he's in ministry and he's going to go into ministry. And I actually wrote this down in the book because he said, I, th- and we were thinking about that, thinking about this is a classic from a Western perspective, faith seeking understanding, understanding so important for Western sure. people. Right. This, you know, I think, therefore I am type. And he just reflected and he just he said, you know what? I think in Africa, what I would say theology is, uh, is faith seeking survival. Hmm. And I stopped and I just wrote that down and yeah. I thought, that's true at not in a sense of like, just in a sense of, am I going to make it till tomorrow? Right. Like, can I survive? Yeah. This with all kinds of powers and, you know, things happening that are outside of my control. As much as Nike has named it sure. for us, just do it. <laughs> right. There wasn't a day at, I didn't, in Africa, I didn't hear, but what can I do? Which right. drives an American crazy. But at the same time, it's this sense of like the world is, there's, there are there are powers and things working in this world that I have no control over, sure. and so it changed from from then teaching to say, hey, it's your faith seeking understanding right. to uh, we're seeking faith to survive this, right? So, to be saved in a literal sense, like not just. So let me anyway, go back around and, and ask. I don't the know question. if I answered your question. It but. does, but I it sparks a, a similar one, which is that you know you have the benefit of having been over there for a long time and. And again, going back to your idea of partnership, because you did get to work with African leaders and African partners in ministry, I'm sure that was educational in a way, much more so than if you'd gone over and had to start at ground zero, square one or whatever. Um, How do you, no, let me ask this a different way. What are the biggest obstacles within a classroom setting to bringing that experience to bear in a way that your students can really benefit from? And not have to reinvent the wheel as new missionaries. What, yeah. are, what are the obstacles in the classroom that, that keep that from happening? If that would be different than if they just come to Africa and train with you on the ground. Yeah. Um, so if you don't, the closest thing you get is it's telling good stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're still operating out of a framework because they've never. It, experience you know i i teach a, 
a course about every three years for another university, and it's in Christian and culture, and it's actually in East Africa. Mm. So it's a service learning thing where they go out and they do some service learning, and then we come back and talk about and. There's no way I could do that. I can't do the content I do in that course mm-hmm. in this classroom. Right. Right. So, so there's uh, not a context to understand it through. Yeah, there's not a context to understand it through. Um, and I really lean on. Luckily, fortunately, a lot of students have had some cross-cultural experience. Mm. So we're drawing upon. You know, I, I try to I try to draw upon their own experiences. Yeah. And help them make sense of those. Uh, and then ask not just good sociological and anthropological questions, but uh, theological questions, yeah. um, which are directly have to do with uh, their experience of culture and also, uh, in general, while we can't name specifically the people they encounter, in general, what that might mean yeah. for the lived experience of those yeah. around them. And so... Um, yeah, that's a that's a good question. It it is uh it goes back to that providing internships and opportunities. Sure. Not just for the sake of having it or or it's a good program, but for the sake of your education is not right. complete. It's not just to put on your resume, it's to form you. It's not to put on a resume or to say I had this great experience. Although I, I'm okay with people sure. saying that. That's a yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I've how many things did I go to <laughs> in college and I was like, that was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but fortunately I was, I at least paid attention enough yeah. to the ways it was forming me, whether I could call it that back then. Right. And to ask more questions and to ask deeper yeah. questions and then, uh, not to be able to walk in, uh, maybe only half blind instead sure. of fully blind. Right. Uh, so kind of last question here. Um, you know, it, you have such a short runway with your students, you know, assuming that they come in as missions majors, you had four years yeah. and then whatever contact they want to maintain after that. But you have new students at that point. Uh, what is it that you would hope for your students at the, after they leave you? Uh, if there was one principle or one question that you really hope, sticks with them and continues to guide them after their time with you yep. as a professor and teacher, what would that be? Well, I think it's the thing I say all the time and, um, is, uh, and I'm, I'm taking this off other people, but you said you don't have a mission, but God's mission has you. Hmm. And I ask the question, uh, what's God doing in the world and how can you participate in that? Hmm. And, uh, I think students, that's that seems fairly abstract to them, and I don't mean for it to be. I think it's very practical. One, because I, I tell students all the time, hey, wherever you're going to go, God was already there, mm-hmm. especially given the nature of gonna, this global Christianity. Yeah. Um, where, wherever you're going to go, God's already there. Yeah. God's people are already there. Mm-hmm. God's working through people that aren't even, don't even know that they're his people yet. Sure. And so uh, part of that is how do we discern what God's doing um, and then saying what gifts and what do I bring to that and ways that I find it. I find that a better way. Well, even going back to what you said earlier, that is not a technique. That's a theological presupposition. That's not a tool you teach them. That's a way of thinking about the world and missions. 
And as you said, I think it's deeply practical, but I, it gets back to... And here's you know. a practical example. I said it earlier. So we went over intending... I, I think when, when we had committed the last of the the original team that was in Jinja, when they left, there were 40 churches in a people group of almost 4 million people in this, this area. And... Um, a year and a half later, we arrived. Mm-hmm. There were some there were some missionaries there, but they weren't doing church planting. Sure. Um, um, but when we arrived, so when that last missionary who was doing church planting left, and then when we arrived to do church planting a year and a half later, we went from forty churches to sixty in a year and a half. Wow. Very practically, we said, we see what God's doing here. Yeah. And church planting shouldn't be our like what we thought we came to do right. wasn't, you know, so with, with all of our sense of planning and strategy and we went back to our churches and they were fine with this to say, Hey, we're going to be involved in church plants, but here's what we see God doing. Yeah. And we don't want to, we don't want to screw that up. Like, yeah. um, like this is a good thing. So how do we participate with the gifts and like we're all, we're bringing something. We can bring stuff that does mess stuff up. Right. Uh, we could come in and then Ugandans culturally, because of their honor, shame culture, sure. give us the honor and say, oh, yeah, you're in charge. You, you, you go do right. this now. Even though you're not the best people to maybe. Oh, no, we didn't even know the language. We took, I wasn't even I wouldn't even say I was close to being any kind of fluency until like a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Right. And that was important to us. So yeah. we made the decision. Uh, say this is what God's doing. And here's how we need to participate more through. Discipling, mm-hmm. leadership, the discipling. Yeah. Our primary is not a, a, a group of people, but I had about four or five guys. Sure. My teammates had about four or five guys, and they, we'd say, "Where are we going?" Yeah, help catalyze and support the giftedness of, of your partners. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a great gift to give your students, man. Uh, well, thank you so much, Ben, for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, And thank you for joining us today on the Global City Mission podcast. You can find out more about GCMI on our website at globalcitymission.org, or you can visit us on Facebook and Twitter.